Truth and reconciliation, <clears throat> excuse me, is not simply Canada. Even more so, truth and reconciliation is Christian. And that video, while it's shocking in the way it starts, is a beautiful gesture of reconciliation on the part of a residential school survivor. And my prayer, as we heard there, is that we would work together as we move toward a more equal, prosperous future for all of us. Thank you, Lucas, for putting that moment uh, together, reminding us of this past National Truth and Reconciliation Week and Orange Shirt Day on Friday, and Carla for uh, reading that land acknowledgement. All right, let me shift gears. As I was thinking about our new message series, uh, we start on a new series called Reset Your Mind. And uh, a couple of social media posts uh, came my way this past week from you and others in Fort McMurray who had recently vacationed in Italy. Italy seems to be the new uh, fad and vacation destinations, at least my media feed seemed to have more. And uh, chances are, if you go to Italy, you might put the Academia Gallery in Florence on your need-to-see list. There you will uh, find Michelangelo's David, which is a towering present, 14 feet or 4.3 meters from head to toe. The real David. Well, you'd probably be looking down on him. David wasn't just the youngest of nine brothers. The Bible suggests to us that he was the smallest in stature. The Hebrew word for younger isn't just chronological. It can also be physical. David was the runt of the litter in every sense of that phrase. David looked anything but a warrior. That's why King Saul questioned his credentials to fight and Goliath just mocked his opponent. And many of you, you know the story of David, that David took on the mighty Goliath, this giant of a warrior who, who caused every soldier in the Israelite army to freeze. And David went into this one-to-one -one battle without any protective armor, armed only with a slingshot. I mean, the most unlikely of effective weapons. And with personal confidence and faith in God, he proved to be one excellent marksman with his slingshot. He, he embedded that rock deep into Goliath's forehead. He then quickly ran to the buckled body of Goliath, taking out a sword. He cut off his head. Heck. David wasn't even old enough to join the Israelite army. He was just a kid. The only reason he was there was to deliver a care package from home to his brothers. But when he arrived with those cookies and Twizzlers from home, he was, he was shocked to see one towering, huge enemy soldier paralyzing an entire army of Israel. So he stepped up and said, let me at him. We would call David super cocky, except that he killed Goliath with when everybody else was just cowering in fear. Where did that confidence come from? The writer of the New Testament letter to Hebrews says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence. Confidence in the impossible. Confidence in the unlikely. Confidence that God can and will. Faith is self-confidence that God does not make junk. That I am a talented Gifted person made in the image of an all-powerful God. It got me thinking about this truth, the story of David. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. We all expected the war in Ukraine to wrap up in about a week and that Ukraine would once again be a part of Russia. The Western world just threw their arms up and said, Russia will crush them, we'll stand back and watch. 
But something happened in the mind of the average Ukrainian, a confidence that they, like David, could rise and prevail. And so war has been raging on for seven months now, and most of Ukraine is solidly in Ukrainian control. And not only does Zelensky have the audacity to say that they will take back the eastern portions of Ukraine, but he's also saying they will take back Crimea that was lost to the Russians in 2014. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, the faith of Ukrainians is not necessarily faith in God, although it is for some. Their faith, is in a pat like their faith comes from a passionate desire for freedom and independence. Their faith is in themselves. But something had to happen in their minds before they could see the victories that none of us in the West expected. Ukraine has taken on Goliath and has held most of their country. May God intervene and give them all of their country back. Friends, most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. That's true of physical war. That's true of the battles in your life. The, the battle that you are experienced with your kids or marriage. The, the battle for the life that you really so yearn to live. The battle to believe that you can do that job. Overcome that addiction. Find victory over that all-consuming thing or depression. It all starts in the mind. Maybe a little confession on my part is in order. I, I do what many of you do and... That's maybe spend a little too much time on social media and I play the same comparison game that many people do, only I do it with other pastors. But I only compare myself with the very best, you know, those with tens of thousands of followers. And it, and it causes me to ask, am I a good enough leader? Am I a good enough preacher? The pandemic was rough on churches throughout the world. It was rough a bit on Fort City, but when I look at social media, I see churches that appear to have had no struggle at all, just blessing, and I go, God, what's up with that? What about us? And it's, it's not that we're doing badly, but when I compare. So when I play the compare game, a, a little bit of insecurity begins to creep in, and while I know God is powerful, I feel weak, I feel inadequate. Now, being authentic like I'm a... Tempting is sometimes risky. Like, will any of you identify with me or will you think less of me? I suspect, however, that my experience is true of many of you, that we all from time to time have this war going on in our minds. So for me, sometimes the battle in my mind is between thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear. Maybe you're like me and you can walk in one moment and just feel full of spiritual confidence that God is with you, that he is for you, that, that he has called you in the next moment. You're gripped by crippling insecurity and it paralyzes you, holding you back. Two preachers have been speaking to me about my own journey in this and in some cases, uh, you know, in how it compares with their own journey in these issues. Craig Rochelle recently wrote a book called Winning the Battle for Your Mind, good book to read, and parts of his book are in this series as well. I've been listening to Rick Warren, who has preached uh, several series on managing your mind. And the bottom line is this, your mind is a battlefield, and most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. The Apostle Paul, you know, he had the same struggle. So I feel a whole lot better letting you know where I don't measure up because Paul's incredibly honest about where he struggled. He, we looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago, but listen to these words of Paul. I am unspiritual. Isn't that a good way for an apostle to talk about himself? I am unspiritual. 
I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. The Apostle Paul, as a follower of Jesus, is laying bare his soul. I am unspiritual. What a wretched man I am. And he tells us about the battle that's going on in his mind and the unhealthy places where sometimes this battle leads him. Friends, you are not alone. One of the most famous converts to Christianity, the Apostle Paul, struggled with the battle for his mind. But there's good news. As you continue to follow the life of Paul, as he grows and develops in his faith, he discovers how to win the battle for his mind, or maybe better put, how we can allow God to win the battle for our minds. And this week, I just want to touch on two things that, depending on how you look at them, are really one. And maybe I should just summarize this as one thing and then unpack it in two ways. Okay, the key takeaway for you today is this simple statement. I must feed my mind with truth. To win the battle for my mind, I must feed my mind with truth. If you want to reset your mind, if you want a healthy mind, if you want a mind that will lead you to the life that you so want, and more importantly, that God designed you to have, you must feed your mind with truth. Jesus made this point over and over again. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And he's not just talking about himself as the truth, and he is the truth. He's talking about his words in the Bible that set us free from all of the junk that's in our minds, that rob us of experience the life we all yearn to live. Jesus, quoting Moses in the book of Deuteronomy to, to help us deal with this kind of stuff, says this. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the Bible is food for our souls. The Bible is the owner manual for life. This is the truth that sets you free. You must feed your mind with truth. Okay, let's be clear. There, there are lots of things that are true that won't set you free. Lucas could teach you how to program a, a computer. That won't set you free. If I can remember from high school science, uh, I, I could teach you the biology of a fruit fly, but that's not going to set you free. There's a lot of truth you can learn in life that's not going to set you free. But the truth that sets you free is the truth of God's word, the Bible. It's the owner's manual for life. And so I've got to feed my mind on the truth, which means I've got to feed my mind on the Bible, the scriptures. How often? All the time. You just got to get into the habit of feeding on the scriptures often, even daily, even throughout the day. So to help make this practical, to help you get into the habit of feeding on God's word, we, we want to do a 20-day reading plan together in the Gospel of Luke. Do it as a church family starting today. Let's read together using the YouVersion app that you can download to your phones. And my prayer is that this will help you establish a good daily Bible reading habit. Uh, if you don't already have one, this is great. You'll see on the screen or on the card that's on your seat, a, a QR code that will take you to that reading plan. Um, just go ahead, feel free to take out your phone and get yourself linked to our reading plan even now. And if you're on our email list, you've also received an invitation to be part of this reading plan. Let's just spend 20 days together as a church family, feeding in God's word, and then let's keep going on our own after that. God's word, God's truth is powerful, not just to help you, but to transform and renew you, to heal you, to make you whole. 
And the Apostle Paul simply calls us to live transformed lives where our minds are reset by God. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And all that starts by feeding your mind with God's word, feeding your mind daily. I must feed my mind with truth and God will change the way I think. Now, over the years that I've grown up in Bible-believing churches, evangelical churches, one of the things I've noticed is we all talk a lot about getting, you know, into our Bibles, getting people to read their Bibles or listen to your Bibles. Audio Bibles are great. But a lot of people wipe out on reading or listening to the Bible, not recognizing that there is actually a battle going on out there for their minds. And that unseen battle intensifies when it comes to feeding on God's truth from the Bible. So in the battle for our minds, not only must I feed my mind with the truth, but secondly, I I have to do spiritual battle for my mind so that I can feed my mind with truth. You see, after one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church, the Apostle Paul confesses that he was struggling with the battle for his mind. Uh, As he progresses and grew in his faith, he discovered that there is an unseen power at work battling to get our eyes and ears off of Jesus and off of the truth of his word by getting us to believe lies that seem so attractive, but actually they're destructive. Here's what Paul writes. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Oh, there is so much in this passage, uh, so we're going to look at it more closely in a couple of weeks. But to keep it simple for today, friends, we have an unseen enemy at work in our lives. And the evil one and his cohorts are at work distorting the values of the world that we live in. And he wants to change your mind in all of the wrong directions. Let me say this. If you have Christ in your life, then you have power greater than Satan. Satan cannot force you, but what he can do is whisper deceptive thoughts. He can plant suggestions. He can put people in your life who you are allowing to shape your values. He is the source of so many negative thoughts, negative ideas, and negative impressions. Okay, we don't use the word stronghold in everyday life. Stronghold comes from the Greek word. The New Testament was written in Greek. It's from the Greek word autorama that literally means military stronghold. So it So stronghold is actually an ancient military term. It was like a fortress that was often built in the middle of a city. The fortress could be surrounded by a wall that could be literally 20 feet thick, and that's where the military officials might go during battle to keep them safe or where prisoners were kept to guard them from the enemy attacking. The devil, our spiritual enemy, wants to attack your mind and create strongholds of deception within your mind. The the best way to understand a stronghold in your mind is, is that it is a lie that you believe and you begin acting on the basis of that lie. Anytime I believe a lie, and all lies ultimately come from the devil. I mean, Satan is called the father of lies, so that's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about God, that's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about myself, That's a stronghold. 
Anytime I believe a lie about the world or about the future or the past or the present, that's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about sex, and that's a big one in our culture these days, that becomes a stronghold in my life. It can be a false value. It could be a worldview like hedonism, you know, where I live for pleasure and materialism and stuff. Those can become strongholds. When money becomes the most important thing in my life, that's a stronghold. When I say that I can't give, that's a stronghold. Or a stronghold can be a, a personal attitude. I, I've met people who the stronghold was worry. I've, I've met people who the stronghold was depression. I've met people who the stronghold was resentment or envy or pride or conceit or ego. And, and to take those strongholds down, we have to do some spiritual battle. And in this battle, the Apostle Paul says, we do not wage war as the world does because the battle is in the mind. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a war, a mind war. Paul continues, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The Greek word uh, translated as power is the word dunamis. It means explosive. It means the explosive, miraculous power of God. We get our word dynamite from this word. And these powerful weapons that God through his Holy Spirit gives us, the weapons that we fight with, they have divine power. They have dunamis, dynamite to demolish strongholds. Again, the enemy of our lives, the evil one and his cohorts want to attack your mind and create strongholds of deception. So you believe something that's untrue. And the false belief takes you away from God's healing and calling on your life. Friend, the evil one tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you are a prisoner of deception. What does the devil tell you? You can't trust that person. You'll never succeed. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to have a good marriage. Or, or God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. You're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. Or, or, or this is the better way to God, but the Bible speaks against it. But there seems to be something to it. There's power in it. You're in a battle. And those cards, you're in a battle. How do we do battle in our mind? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. How do we do it? With God's help, we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. Well, how does this work? Well, you have to be feeding on the truth of God's word daily. And you feed when you come to church on Sunday, and you feed when you attend a class like soul care or a Bible study with your heart open for the Spirit of God to speak to you, to speak to you about a lie that is holding you back. And when you recognize that you're holding on to a lie, you take it captive, you renounce it, you get rid of it in Jesus' name. And you ask the Spirit to empower you to be obedient to God's truth. This just needs to be a part of what we do every day. We, we read the Scriptures. We listen for the Spirit to speak to our hearts, convicting us of the lies that we've bought into. We take those thoughts captive by the power of Jesus. We renounce them and we make them obedient to Jesus. By the way, this is one of the things that our soul care course does. It helps you to identify the lies in your life that are holding you back, and it invites you to embrace God's truth and find healing and wholeness. 
And even though this course has started, feel free to come any Wednesday night you can. Each lesson is able to stand on its own. Sure, it's very powerful altogether, but each week can stand on its own. And it's just a great way to discern what lies are gripping you and to be set free to live life to the full with the joy that so often eludes us. Friends, to really win the war for your mind, you you got to get... The, to get this mind reset that we're talking about, you will need, and, and a mind reset that you're going to need over and over again. We've got to capture those lies, name them, renounce them, and replace them with truth. And, and by the power of God, you will not stay locked in that prison because Jesus holds the keys that set you free. And, and this comes because you know Jesus personally. You know the truth personally, and and the truth is not just the words that you read in the Bible. Truth is a person who gave us those words. His name is Jesus, and he will set you free. You will know the truth of the Bible. You will know the truth of who is Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. He is the one that gives us divine power to overcome strongholds. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward to worship through communion and celebrate what Jesus did on the cross. It's on the cross that Jesus defeated the evil one and, and purchased your wholeness. As we go to communion, I, I want us to remember these powerful words of the Apostle Paul. The message translation drives it home for us. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right. How did Jesus act to set things right? By, by dying on the cross for us. On the cross, Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sin, the penalty our sin deserves, what he did was overcome the present power of sin at work in our world and in our lives. On the cross, Jesus made it possible for you and I, as we are filled with the Spirit, uh, to have his divine power to demolish strongholds. The cross made it all possible. So as you come forward and take bread that represents the body of Jesus nailed to the cross to break the power of sin in our lives, and as well a juice that represents the shed blood of Jesus the defeated, that defeated Satan and his cohorts, friends, because of the cross, you can have divine power to demolish strongholds. And here's what I want you to do. As you come forward, would you identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back? What is the lie that you know that God is convicting of you right now that is robbing you of the life that God wants you to experience? As you come forward, ask God to help you identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. And then as you take the elements in the communion packet, the bread and the juice, renounce that stronghold and thank God for the power of the cross. Then go back to your seat. And with that communion packet, before you eat and drink, and do that as an act of worship and thanksgiving, would you name the truth, before you do that, name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Name the truth and tell Jesus as you partake of communion that you want this power to embrace the truth and demolish the lie. Embrace the truth and demolish the, the lie as you take communion in your seat. So would you bow with me for prayer and uh, pray this prayer with me, making it your own prayer. Let's pray. Father God. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, sending him to the cross to win the unseen cosmic battle for our minds, for our lives. I confess, this is where you come, I confess that I have allowed lies to become strongholds that have robbed me of the life I want and you want for me. 
Through the power of what you did on the cross, I renounce those lies. And with your power, I demolish those debilitating strongholds. Would you do that? Would you say that right now? Let's keep praying. I commit to allowing you to feed my mind with your word, where I will allow your word to empower me to overcome the lies that will continue to come to me. As I feed my mind on your word, I embrace that power that you make available to me to demolish lies and strongholds. Now, some of you, you, you just need to get Jesus into your life. You're here, but all this talk about the power of God living in you, that's just not been your experience. You need that power. You need Jesus. I want to invite you to pray with me and to ask Jesus to come into your life. Would you do that? Pray this with me. Jesus, I don't understand it all. Just, yeah. I don't understand it all, but as best I know how, I ask you to come into my life. I confess that I have not lived for you. I confess that I have embraced lies and ignored your truth. But today, I will follow you as you fill me and lead me into the future you have for me now and into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.